Hi again everyone and welcome to East Renland Anglican for this ninth Sunday after Pentecost or the 25th of July 2021. Today we're coming from uh, St Andrews at Ormiston, one of the other centres in our parish. The Gospel reading today is from the Gospel of John chapter 6 verses 1 to 21 and in our Gospel today we find ourselves again in the Bread of Life discourse. So as always, uh, please sit back, um, grab a cup, cup of tea or coffee and enjoy the sermon for this week. Talk to you again soon. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel is written in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, he began, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realised that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat and started across the lake to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The lake became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the lake and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? When I, was, um, when I was little, I used to love Spider-Man. Um, I had a Spider-Man outfit, and I would get the Spider-Man show bag every year at the Ecker. I used to love watching the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon. In fact, even though the animation in that is pretty dodgy by modern standards, I still reckon it's the best version of Spider-Man. And if I'm honest, I have to admit 
that Spider-Man is still my favourite. I just don't have the outfit anymore. Um, well, that could be changed. And I can't afford the show bag anymore. And as all of you know by now, I do like superheroes. I like Batman and I like The Flash. Well, certainly people at Parish Council know it anyway, and I like many others. The thing about them all, about superheroes, is that people are always wanting to know their true identity. And villains are always trying to find out in order to expose them. And the Gospels, I think, are a bit the same. There is a constant theme about the identity of Jesus. Who is this man? Where is he really from? What, what does he do for us? But in contrast to Spider-Man or Batman or The Flash, the Gospel writers present to us Jesus the man from Galilee, but at the same time they also reveal something, reveal something else, that is, the hidden identity of Jesus, the one from heaven. So each of the Gospels, so in each of the Gospels there is a process whereby people grow into an awareness of the hidden identity of who Jesus really is, and it involves telling a story about the life of Jesus. But they add to the story images that resonate with images of God's other saving acts in history, in the history of the Jewish people. That is, it's actually, it's actually an important part of the journey and an important part of corporate identity. Last week, we looked at how this was done with images of Jesus as the shepherd. This week, we're looking at images of Jesus, the giver of bread, uh, the giver of food in that sense of the feeding of the 5,000. There are other images there too as we go through into that second part of the gospel reading with Jesus um, coming on the lake. Uh, particularly that statement, it is I. If we look at the, um, the Greek for that, it, the words there are ego, I, me, which is I am. So you've got that, that going back to the great I am of the Old Testament. The problem is that this story from the life of Jesus has been almost completely rewritten with images and events from the Old Testament, and that makes it hard to work out what may have actually happened. And because of that, we need to consider more fully the events of the first reading. So our first reading is the story of Elisha, the man of God, and the stories of Elisha and Jesus are virtually identical, except for the number of people fed. In the Elisha story, it's probably only about 100 people. In the story about Jesus, it's 5,000. It mentions 5,000 in the Gospel. Um, in actuality, it's likely to have been 5,000 men, which means that if we add women and children into the mix, you're probably talking about maybe 15,000 people. Why the difference? Well, because God in his anointed Christ is always, will always fulfill the work and teaching of the prophets beyond our wildest dreams and expe expectations. <clears throat> but apart from the Elisha story, there's another biblical connection that has shaped the telling of Jesus feeding the 5,000 that I think it's worth knowing. It's about Moses feeding the people of Israel with uh, the manna in the desert as the journey from Egypt to the promised land. Therefore, in this story of the feeding of the 5,000, the writers carefully point out uh, in the lead up to that that Jesus and the crowd are in a deserted place, they're in a lonely place. 
So again, the story points to Jesus as more than some sort of interesting guy from Nazareth. Here, here he is the new Moses forming a new people of God. Indeed, the people in the story recognize this. They say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. They're quoting Moses who told the people that God would send them another leader like him. And because of that, they want to take Jesus by force and make him their king. So two stories from the Old Testament are retold in a story about Jesus so as to make clear who this Jesus of Nazareth truly is. He is the new Moses, forming and shaping a new people of God. Here is the prophet who will reveal to us the voice of God and God's will for this new people. But there's another tradition, which is just as important, but it's not as well known to us as the story of Elisha and Moses. And that story is found in the second book of Maccabees, which was written only about a hundred years before the time of our Lord. Now, the books of Maccabees are in a group of writings known as the Apocrypha or the Intertestamental Writings. Um, and you can find them in, well, I've got them in, in my Bible, but some Bibles have them. But it's worth having a look at them. Um, in the second chapter of that book is a story of how when the Babylonian army was about to take the city of Jerusalem, Jeremiah the prophet took the Ark of the Covenant and the jar of manna and hid it in a cave. Jeremiah's disciples go and try and find it, but they can't. And Jeremiah tells them that it will only be found when God gathers again his people in the wilderness to show them his mercy. So in the time of Jesus, there was a lively expectation that when the Messiah would appear, the hidden manna would be revealed again. And when this happened, it would be a sure sign of God's power in the life of his anointed. So through this story about hidden manna, or though this story about hidden manna may be new to you and may sound um, a, a bit obscure, it does make an appearance in the book of Revelation where John the prophet is writing to the church at Pergamum. And he says, Let anyone who can hear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To those who prove victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna and a white stone with a new name written on it. So what is the Spirit of the church saying to all of us at ERA through the Gospel and through the other stories of Elisha, Moses and Jeremiah that are linked to it. Now, one of the consistent themes is that God will show mercy and compassion when we are in the wilderness. God will feed and sustain us in the desert places of our lives. Now, this is not an easy thing to accept. Our instincts want to rebel against us. We like securities. We like our securities and our comforts, particularly our spiritual ones. And this last 18 months of COVID has shown this. Yet that's what the prophets and people like John the Baptist challenge. Because when we are spiritually comfortable, we stop growing and we take God for granted. One of the reasons that Jesus showed a preference for the poor was because they knew they needed God and were dependent upon him. It's worth reflecting maybe why the church now finds itself in the wilderness again. And to that, we may need to look at a different way of being. 
Today's gospel speaks of God being manifested to us in the desert places, that he will feed and sustain us even when we're not sure he's around. Our difficulty is that we will probably miss it all together when we simply hang on to the past and what we feel secure in. And that's the real danger in church life, when we live in times of rapid and frequent change, when all of the familiar institutional landmarks start to shift and change. And COVID has done a great job at that. It can be so easy to make the church a refuge of the past when nothing changes. And that is the real problem, I think, for Anglicans, because we do have a strong sense of heritage from our English tradition, and we can easily get a bit vague about who, what, and where we really are. To illustrate the point, when you enter many Anglican churches and cathedrals, and particularly in Australia, you step into a time warp. It's as if we almost leave this country in the year 2021. We can even congratulate ourselves that we have these securities and that others don't. But all we do is separate ourselves from a nation of people that need feeding from Christ, who is the bread of life. And no matter how much this and other parish churches have the outward appearance of an English village church, it's not, it's not where reality truly is. We are not superheroes in a mask hiding our true identity. However comfortable that illusion is, it's an illusion. We are in a modern, Australia, modern Australian city fraught with serious problems of a new millennia, problems we didn't see coming 18 months ago. We live in a desert of spiritual values where people are hungry for particular spiritual values. People do find their lives meaningless with no sure guide to their, li to their, to their lives, to live their lives by. And they're not going to see any value in what we might say whilst we live in another world in a different age, maintaining an illusion. So today, when you hear those words, the body of Christ, give yourself over to our Lord fully in the knowledge that we are dependent upon God's Christ to feed and sustain us. But more than that, you are sent out in and through that very sustenance with all that is of value in our Anglican and Christian heritage to make manifest the nurturing, feeding love of God to our nation, to our city, to our community, our parish and our times. Because this is the only time and place that we have. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That brings our podcast to an end for this week. If there's anything more you'd like to know about the parish, you can always check us out at our website, which is www.eastredlandanglican.com.au. You'll be able to find lots of links there to our Facebook page, to our Vimeo and YouTube channels, and to our Apple podcast channel. You'll be able to go through the website there and find out any other information you want to know about our service times or baptisms and confirmations and things like that. Um, so check us out there, um, have a look, and if there's anything you need, please don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call, um, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.